And we're going to go live in three, two, one. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Multiverse Show, episode nine of season five. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the long awaited spoiler cast. Um, nothing much really important happened in the um, gaming sphere. I mean, honestly, most of it could be summed up by PlayStation bought stuff last week, but nothing extremely important. Like they bought Evo, which is a fighting game championship. So that's cool. Um, not much to say on that specifically. <laughs> um, whether they're working with a, they work with a new studio called Haven. Don't know anything about that person particularly, but it was mostly small stuff like that. So we're not really covering that this week. Uh, we're covering the entertainment sphere because we have things coming out the wazoo here. Uh, we got WandaVision has finally concluded. We gave everybody a little bit of time so they can actually get to that, um, and finally watch it. So we are going to a full spoiler cast. Uh, for WandaVision, but we are saving that for the end of the show because we got a couple small things we want to talk on. We want to do our first impressions, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, and then we also want to talk about the Snyder Cut, which released last week. So first off, we've got our introductions. We have the Baron of Britain, the Caesar of Cinema, Mr. James Wilson. Hello, everybody. Uh, pleasure to be here and for something that I can talk about in nearly every topic. What a miracle of a day this is! Uh, pleasure to be here as always. Uh, happy to talk about WandaVision and finally dive deep into all of the weird things. All right. We also have the megaphone Mike, the Donna Deletion, Mr. Mike Peter Truth, gracing us with his presence this evening. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's Mike. Great to be back here again on a Monday night. Past few Mondays have been crazy, but it always feels good to come back on this show. As always, we have a great doc of topics planned for everybody tonight, so let's get it started. And we also have the White Wolf, Mr. Samuel Tolbert. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing really well. This is uh, a little strange, you know, not having a lot of gaming stuff to talk about, but that's okay because I have big things to say about well, at least two of these topics. <laughs> so let's get it started. All right. But first off, we ask the immortal question we ask every single week. What have you guys been playing? Mike, you've been the gone the longest. What have you been playing, sir? So in addition to my usual rotation of Black Ops Cold War and Animal Crossing New Horizons, I actually did restart Dishonored Definitive Edition. This was a game that I played when it first came out. And I never finished it. It, it. It's not that I dislike the game, but you guys know how I typically am with stealth games. And I felt that in certain ways, in certain ways, the game was actually too punitive with regards to not taking the stealthy approach. Um, so I kind of put it down, but I did restart it again. I'm very early in the game and I'm trying to I'm trying to play it the way that they intended and being stealthy as best as I can. Um, so I am enjoying it. Like I said, I'm very early, um, and I do plan on finishing it this go around and then starting Dishonored too. Um, so that's what's been in my rotation as of late. Nice. All right, uh, James, what have you been playing, sir? Um, nothing crazy new. Uh, I'm continuing my Bloodborne run, uh, trying to get it down, uh, to the Platinum. Uh, tomorrow is the six-year anniversary of the release of Bloodborne. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to get the platinum on the on the anniversary as I planned, but it's just having spent the last few weeks like going through the detail and it, it's I already said it's my favorite game of all time and my game of the generation. It's just cemented it. I I I could live inside of Yarnum. I I adore everything about it, and I almost you know I don't want a Bloodborne two. I want it to be a one and done, and that's it. That's all the stuff. All right. No other games other than the usual every now and then a couple of games of Apex. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Not bad. And Sam? Yeah. So a couple of things. First off, I played the second DLC for Doom Eternal, The Ancient Gods Part 2. I don't want to spoil it. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And it is, interestingly enough, the conclusion to the Doom uh, saga. Doesn't mean that it is done with Doom. Like they've said, they're going to make more Doom games, but it is the finale to the mini series, if you will, that started with Doom 2016. This is the Slayer's finale. Uh, 
and it is awesome. The final fight is something incredible. The backdrop, everything, you get an incredible new ability with like a hammer to stun hordes of demons at the same time. It's awesome. So I've actually got a full review. If you want some written thoughts, you can check that out on Windows Central tomorrow. It's really great. And the other game I played is actually the one that our guest last week was working on, and that's Adios. I, uh, I finished that up, grabbed it when it came out. Very short game. He talked a ton about it, so I don't want to say too much except to say it's fantastic. Uh, well done, Doc. It, it, the work paid off. Well done, indeed. We might have to do like a spo- mini spoiler cast on that one a couple of weeks out from now. Maybe yeah, get him back on I'll or wait. something. I'll wait a little it. bit. I want, I want to give people a chance to digest it, like you said. <laughs> right, right, right. No, it is. I, and that's why I'm not saying anything else. It's like there's basically nothing I can say that doesn't give something away. And you need to go in on it as blind as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm really sure. annoyed that I'm not in a position to play this game. Because it, from what people have been saying, it sounds like something that I would love. You, James, you more than anyone here, you more than me probably would love this. And I I can say this. I can say this without giving anything away. The writing and like voice acting punches well above its weight. Mm -hmm. Like there there are AAA games that dream they had this kind of voice direction in the intonations and the way people are talking with each other. Did you you get the feeling at all when you were playing Adios? Because I definitely got this impression that I, I just I. There are some, you know, graphical limitations due to budget, obviously, but I, of course, of course. I just kept imagining like a huge budget and like how good it would look with the voice acting. Like the voice acting definitely mm-hmm. catapults it beyond what you would imagine it to look like. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's time. it's amazing to me. I I liked it a lot. Although yeah, I, I played Adios as well. Um, I have not finished it yet. Um, I got really depressed. Like halfway through it <laughs> so it's like um i need to stop <laughs> but um i i had to stop playing it but I'm, i plan to finish it this week because i got a lot of free time i'm on vacation currently um so yeah i played a little bit of doom eternal didn't really get into the second dlc i'm still finishing the first one uh but i've been playing a lot of rainbow six siege with the flores operator uh we did actually a game night last night uh so we did it on xbox with uh lord cognito uh, Italian clowns for four guys with quarters. Uh, we, we it was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a blast. Um, literally, <laughs> Flores. Um, but I also started Dante's Inferno. Holy crap! Did why did no one tell me how messed up that game is? You guys play Dante's Inferno at oh, I all? I thought you were talking about the book. Sorry. Well, I mean, I read the book. I know I know <laughs> I know the details of it. But I mean, there's there was a game that came out in like a 2010 from EA with Visceral. Yeah. And holy crap, it is disturbing. Uh, anybody else play this game? Yes, no? Uh, I, I played parts of it. I, I played part. I think there was like a demo at one point or something. Like, I, I saw a lot of it. I, I've seen a lot of it. It's basically, I mean, dude, keep in mind, it's the same studio that made Dead Space. Yeah. And they were allowed to go like, hey, do an edgy interpretation of hell. Like it's, there is some messed up stuff in there. I'm I'm only <laughs> gonna say I'm only gonna stuff. say one particular boss. It's like the second or third boss that you fight. It's whenever you get to the the last uh, level of hell. I think it's the second ring. So you're fighting um, this is the queen of Assyria who had like seduced Caesar, but it's a long thing. So she's like a giant, uh, uh, half naked woman who's like climbing this pillar in between a tornado. And you're you're climbing up it, and you're, during like some of the fight scene encounters that you have with her, she has souls of un of unborn children who were unbaptized, who have knives for arms crawling out of her nipple, and she grabs them and throws them on the stage. I'm like, <laughs> what? Nice. Oh my nice. gosh! Like it. Uh, I just I couldn't believe it, but it it's you definitely get the Dead Space vibe from it. But it's just it's so it, it does not care about any sensibilities. It will go for that heart wrenching, gut busting kind of <laughs> horror, but it's really good. Um, I enjoyed it. So the so we're gonna I guess after that I mean we're getting the topics here. Um, so out of the panel here, we're gonna talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier first. Um, out of the panel here, who has seen the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier? 
Yep. Yep. You saw it. Mike, did you see it at all? I have not. You have not? Um, I have. And Sam, I don't think you have, right? That's correct. I have not. Yep. Okay. So we're we're not going to really spoil anything about it. Um, we're going to tell you right now that there's really not anything to spoil <laughs> on this one. It's largely a setup episode. But James, kick us off here. What, what was your impressions on this first episode? Yeah, so uh, just for the people who don't know, if there are any of you, if you're listening to this kind of show, uh, this is the Falcon and Winter Soldier following Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson after the events of Avengers Endgame. Uh, This was supposed to be the first of the Disney Plus shows, and that's quite obvious by the fact that it is very safe as an opening episode and i don't mean when i say safe i don't mean boring i mean it's when you say falcon and the winter soldier you think oh it's going to be like a captain america movie it's like a captain america movie and that's a good thing it is very much an mcu paint by numbers opening act where they have set up some funny things the stakes and one little villain thread that will be expanded upon in the next hour to two hours of television time. It is a very, very serviceable pilot, uh, as is Sam Wilson. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, the show has a the show has a great opening action scene. A really, it's, it's just a, a really, really good action scene. Um, I thought the episode was good. I thought it was good. We have been a bit spoiled by just how good the opening of WandaVision was, and I think we were expecting something akin to that that would change how we perceived these characters and see something that might mess with the form of television. But this is a lot more normal, a lot more accessible, and probably if you were trying to get to someone to watch any of either this or WandaVision, this would be an easier sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's about right. Um, so spoilers for Endgame. Um, so Captain America kind of retires and hands the shield over to Sam in particular, and so this kind of show is more of like at least thematically is more about legacy and about who who kind of picks up the mantle of Captain America in that wake. Um. Like like Sam, like um James had mentioned, it's the first action scene with Sam is great. Um, you, you kind of have him living in this, I guess maybe denials not the right word for it necessarily, but he, he does he doesn't want to accept the mantle of Captain America because he largely believes that Steve Rogers was only Captain America, so he's kind of like reluctantly doing things in that regard. Uh, Bucky's kind of um living the repercussions of being Winter Soldier, which I I kind of vibed with a little more. Um, where it's it's like, hey, I've worked for Hydra for decades, and I caused a lot of pain and suffering, and he's kind of more devoted towards fixing that, and then also like atoning for certain sins. Like the first episode is largely about like him uh, hanging out with the father of a guy that he killed, um, and trying to come to like have the strength to tell him that he was the one who killed his son. But it's not. It, it's a very touchy subject matter there um other than that you don't get a lot of ideas in terms of where the story's going uh they kind of set up a couple different things like oh they they introduce um the flag smashers as like a cult as opposed to a person per se um they do little things like that there's a not a ton of easter eggs honestly at least for marvel fans uh but this is again more more set up than anything else um I, I only thing I, I want to bring up, and this is not really a spoiler because they show this in the trailers a lot. Um, they show off a terrible first impression picture of U.S. Agent. Oh Ooh, my yeah. God, he looks so bad. His his nose he looks, looks so huge. His ears are sticking out the side, and it looks so bad. It looks like a bad Captain America costume, like yeah. like a bad Halloween costume. Yeah, it that that was not good. Like, I, I can imagine Kurt Russell's just sitting there, like, "How could you do my boy like this? His first time in the MCU, and he looks terrible." <laughs> um, because um, his his son, um, Wyatt Russell, Wyatt, yeah, Wyatt, yeah. I I always think I always think that's wrong. 
but his son Wyatt Russell is playing um, uh, his uh, was it the, the new Captain America, aka U.S. Agent. So it's they don't really well, show anything US about Agent, it. Yeah. Yeah, well, he maybe I don't know, but I, I, they haven't really said if he's Captain America, but they said he's taking a mantle of sorts. But I, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird thing, and that opens a whole can of worms from the MCU, which I'm not going to talk about because I think they're going to go into that um, in the show. But I, for me, it was kind of like you know a solid like six and a half to seven out of ten because it's mostly just set up, and you don't really get a lot of idea of what's going to happen. But. Yeah, the, the the comparison that I have to it, and this is gonna sound worse than what than what I mean. It this episode felt more like the Netflix Marvel shows, in mm. the sense that it's a little bit slower paced than you think it's gonna be. The yeah. episode is, I think, something like forty one, forty two minutes long. Yeah, and. That is a decent chunk of television. That, that, that is an episode of Breaking Bad, you know? Like, that's an episode of normal network hour. That is a network hour. That's a lot to get in when you don't have ad breaks breaking it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the, the Marvel can't fill, for, can't fill a 45-minute show. Of course they can. But this episode, it, 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 it led a lot. It made, made me think that this show is going to be a lot slower paced than we might have suspected. Which is weird because this is only six episode, com- six episodes compared to One Division's nine. However, I reckon I'm wrong, and in about episode three or four, it's going to radically pick up. I yeah. would really like one of like the Daredevil action scenes where Bucky yeah. just wrecks some fools. I really want that. Just put the camera, don't move it, and just let them fight. <laughs> yeah, and like at least when it comes to Falcon. Um, at least in terms of that one, his fight scene was like perfect. Like his his action scene was great. You get the you definitely get the impression yeah. of like this is his element. He's going to dominate, and he is a badass. Like it it was it was great. They didn't really give Bucky that kind of shine per se, but it it he does they gave they gave Sam a lot of a, <laughs> a lot of good action scenes to go with. But um, yeah, I I think I think we'll stop it there and go into. The Snyder Cut, which I haven't seen, but Sam has seen. Mike, did you get a chance to watch I the Snyder Cut? I'd just like to. Oh. No, very, I did, very but quickly. I did, I did not, but I did have a couple questions about it. Sure. All right, I would just it? like to say, very, very quickly, before we do Snyder Cut, just a very brief bit of movie news that dropped earlier today that is a bit promising, uh, pun intended. So the writer and director of Promising Young Woman, which is a big Oscar contender this year, Emerald Fennel. It's her first uh-huh. film, by the way. I mentioned it before. She has she is uh, been commissioned to write a movie for the DCEU. She's writing the Zatanna movie. Now, for those Ooh. of you who know Zatanna, yes. Now, someone knows who Zatanna is. Uh, Zatanna, Zatanna is one of the very few DC heroes that I actually know about that isn't one <laughs> of the core members of the Justice League. Uh, Zatanna is a magician and a really quite powerful sorceress. She has done stuff with. Just with Justice League and Justice League Dark, um, most of her storylines interactions have been with like Batman and Constantine. Uh, but yeah, she's yeah. she's a cool character, and I, uh, yeah. So that was just a brief piece of news. Let's get into the side of cut. So um, well, thank we're, you for we're sharing let, that. I'm really glad you shared that because I I know a lot of people aren't, but I'm also a Zatanna fan, James. So that is good news to hear. <laughs> We're gonna let Sam go into uh, talking about um, the Snyder Cut, and we're gonna let Mike ask a bunch of questions because he's this is something he does care about. So, uh, Sam, can you give us the rundown here? Uh, wh- why should we watch the Snyder Cut for sure. Justice so, League? You should. It's because it's not an extended cut. I went into this thinking, okay, I'm gonna get some extra scenes. Some CGI is gonna be better. It, it'll probably be a slightly better movie. Like, that was not... I want to be very clear about this. I was never one of these hashtag give us the Snyder Cut people. I was just like, I learned about the situation. I was like, yeah, it sucks, but I don't want to be part of a toxic fan base or anything. Like, And so when it happened, I'm like, look, I'll watch it guilt-free because I'm happy he gets to do his thing, all right? Everyone who has ever worked with Snyder talks about him like, yeah, he's a great guy. He's actually good to work with. Unlike the stories Ray Fisher has shared about... Uh, some certain WB executives and the allegations therein, not to mention all the allegations that have come out about 
Joss Whedon and everything there. I don't want to go too far into that, but that is a big thing hanging over that, and it's relevant to what I'm about to say next. This is not an extended cut of a film. This is not a Lord of the Rings extended cut. This is not even like Kingdom of Heaven extended cut. And that's a pretty big difference if you've ever seen the uh, mm-hmm. extended cut of, of Kingdom of Heaven. Like, you know what I'm talking about, James. This is yep. more than that. This is, oh, about 50 minutes of the film are the same, and it shares the same skull and feet, but otherwise it's actually a completely different film. Cyborg is the heart of this movie. That the character that you know barely got any recognition that I think says booyah one time and that's just all there is to it. He's the main character, not Batman, not Superman, not Wonder Woman. Flash and what he gets to do and how he ends up saving the team and his role is just incredible. Like there is so much more emotion and depth and heart given to everyone in the cast. And that lends so much more credence to what Ray Fisher has talked about on social media regarding uh, regarding the different allegations and all that. So I don't want to go too far into a lot of this stuff because there are legitimate spoilers because there's some stuff that is very, very, very different from the uh, 2017 theatrical cut. I, Justice, I guess, is what people are calling it now. But Mike, I know you have some questions, so I wanted to make myself available to answer those questions. Absolutely. So it, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it is something that I do plan on watching. I'm very interested in it. Um, The theatrical release of Justice League, it's something that I thought was, I didn't hate it as passionately as a lot of people did. I thought in general that the original theatrical release was just fine for what it Mm -hmm. was. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. I'm going to flesh out some of the backstories in this one. So three questions that come to mind. They made a lot back in this as Joker. Um, in Suicide Squad, he was in it for, I think, all of eight minutes, and I didn't really think he had enough of the Joker character in that movie. Does, does his Joker actually get time in this movie? So uh, it's a two-part question, basically. So the first thing is he's only in one scene. It is a long scene, but it's only one scene, to be clear. Um, the second thing is... I think this scene is probably the best Joker work Jared Leto has done, but I also think that's a bar that is incredibly low, if that right. makes any sense. Um, I don't that think that's sense. a very high mark, but this is probably the most I've liked him as the Joker. Okay, that's fair enough. Second question that I had, how much does the four by three aspect ratio affect the presentation of the film? Because that was something that a lot of people were making a big deal about when it first came out. Wait, hold a God, I'm saying, is it actually in four by three? I thought that was a joke. No, no, it is in four by three, James. It is in four by three. All right, okay. I know, I was surprised by that. I, w- I was very surprised, too. Um, it, it, Mike, it's one of those things that's like people get so up in arms about it one way or another. I can take it or leave it. It's fine. Like, basically, what the, what the result is, is like you don't notice the black bars on the side after a while. Like, it, it, it's fine. It's your eyes get glued to the actual screen where things are happening. It results in, I will say, some of the characters being taller. So it's this weird effect. And weird is the wrong word. It's an interesting effect. That will, the focus isn't on, oh, the backdrop of a big battle going on. It's oh, Steppenwolf is standing there and you see him imposing because you see him head to toe. So it's, I think it's just a framing choice. I think it's just this is the way Snyder wanted to frame the characters, and I think there's probably advantages and disadvantages to both approaches. I, I can take it or leave it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So last thing that I had, this is actually a two-part question. Um, it's no secret that it's a very long film, over a little over four hours of runtime. Did you watch? Mm-hmm. I watched the first hour, then the second hour, then the final two hours. But you can actually break it up further than that because the film is actually divided into six chapters and an epilogue. So seven chapters. Like it'll come on screen and say part one, part two, part five, part six. Um. So if you want, if you have a low attention span, that's actually probably a good way to break it up. Is just okay. take a cool. t- stretch when those uh, parts come up. And there's a transition with a black screen and everything. So it'll tell you when to pause or whatever cool that was all i had thank you yeah i can't emphasize this in- especially since in the uk since hbo max does not exist uh in this country you have to sign up to 
it's not even like you can rent the film on its own. You have to sign up to a special service that's part of Sky, which is the same company as Fox, which is a TV network. And like, you've got to go jump through a bunch of hoops to actually watch it. And I'm absolutely not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't do that if I wanted to watch the film. I wouldn't pay upwards of 20 English pounds to watch this film. I, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, that, that that that's my position. And you know what? If it's great and you love it, fine. Uh, they're not going to make any more of it. You can let you can just let this be. It's weird historical artifact of what might have been this four-hour movie that would have if it was if he came in. And here's the other thing: I've seen people online going, "Oh, this film would have done great in cinemas." Bullshit! It would have done great in no. cinemas. No, you no, cannot no. release a four-hour movie yeah. into cinemas. Can't be done. I will back not, you up on that. N- I will back you up n- on that, James. Like. They couldn't have released this any other way. Maybe a three-hour cut. Maybe there is absolutely maybe, maybe, and like you would have to do a lot of work to get people into the cinema to watch that. Like, there's a reason why only two Avengers films have even. Totally fair. The question I always ask about this particular scenario because it is such a weird thing, um, and and, so the the question I ask is, and I I know I'm asking to answer the same question again, Sam. Is there a way you think that Snyder could have conveyed the same film in two and a half hours? <laughs> two and a half, no. Not a chance in yeah. hell. Three, three hours, maybe. I think maybe there is a way you could get this down into three hours. It would still, frankly, involve cutting some interesting stuff or some buildup. But, like, I, I think a three-hour cut could have worked. And that is my issue. Like, I don't want to harp on this too long because we need to get to the meat of this show, which is the WandaVision spoiler cast. But I will say this is my final remark. It's not like they just pieced together the theatrical out of what Snyder had. They yeah. went back and shot stuff. The whole thing with the Russian family was Joss's. And, like, people on set have, like, reported through Variety, like, they hated it. They hated everything he was doing. And, like, so it's not like the budget ran out. Y'all, it's not like they were just piecing yeah. things together. They can they threw everything out and then essentially started over halfway. That's yeah. kind of my issue. I understand and sympathize that they needed a shorter version of this film to exist. I do not sympathize looking at what they do with some of these characters, especially Cyborg, and throwing all of that out for him pushing a Russian family out of town. I do not sympathize at all. That's kind of my issue here. I mean, based on what people have said about this movie, uh, and with it, because I have seen every other D- DCEU movie, for me, the roadmap to, 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 to releasing this movie in cinemas seemed now, with the benefit of hindsight and this movie existing, is very, very clear. It's Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, mm-hmm. Batman vs. Superman, a one hour TV special on Cyborg, and then two Justice League movies. That's it. I can see that. I can see that. Oh, and Suicide Squad, somewhere doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So I anyway, the the Snyder cut is going to be interesting to see if this kind of thing catches on. I guess um, in terms of to like a hey, we do this on a regular. I mean, Warner like... Brothers. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers before before the release of this said that Zach is not going to be involved in. The, the DC films going forward, at least in a directing sense, I imagine he'll stay on uh, as in a producer or an executive producer. Uh, and earlier today, they have they, they they doubled down and said we are not developing anything on this film. Yeah. So I mean, so because yeah, the thing you have to also unless keep in mind does, is like Aquaman broke this a billion becomes dollars. The most successful film of all time. Yeah. Like, they, they they the thing is yeah. there because right now the gold standard for them is Aquaman. Because it's the only DC property that's broke a billion dollars, which is kind of a weird alternate universe kind of take. But uh, hey, well, let's not forget that. Well, I was about, I was about to go be like, oh, yeah, but Wonder Woman did really well. Then I remembered the sequel, but not a billion dollars. Well, <laughs> like so to them, yeah, it's no, like, but it, but it did actually make it was more successful based on its budget to um, yes. gross percentage. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, anything else about Snyderverse before we move on to WandaVision? I'll take that as a no. All right. So, we're going to move on to terms of this, um, in terms of the stream right now. So, I'm, I'm just saying, is like, I know there's been some things here, but I know if you rewatch, it'll be perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, like, we're going to go into WandaVision. So, just as a heads up, um, if you guys have not finished WandaVision, which we gave everybody plenty of time to finish, um, you can leave now and come back to the show whenever we, uh, whenever you finish, uh, you catch up there. Or if you don't care about spoilers, we're going to go right into spoilers. Um, everybody got a chance? Yeah, I'm going to bounce because I, I'm going to bounce because I haven't seen it. So I really don't have right. anything to contribute. Um, so I will catch you guys next week. All right. All right. And where can Take people care, find man. you, Good Mike? Fellas. Come Thank you. Come on. <laughs> So, uh, with, every, with Mike gone, uh, we now have an opportunity to talk about WandaVision. So, uh, real quick, we'll do a, just a very brief rundown of the show, I guess. Um, the show takes place after a certain amount of time of uh, after Endgame. Uh, it's after the five-year blip. Uh, the the show pretty much picks up picks off like it well sorry picks up in, like in this weird alternate TV reality. Uh, where Wanda has is basically omnipotent and can change anything about reality, and but it's it's presented initially as like a mystery. You find out it's just a part of like a hex reality that she's created in this town called Westview, and it like each episode of Town takes place in, in a different type of sitcom scenario. Um, real quick, I I kind of want to just get your overall thoughts, James. Let let me know what what did you think about Wandavision specifically as an overall show. I thought Wandavision at times was one of the most inventive and creative things I've seen uh, from a mainstream television show for a really long time. I thought I thought what they were doing was for the medium was exciting uh in like a really for like what w- what the potential of what we can do with television going forward and streaming shows by engaging with their audience in a way that we haven't really seen on this scale. Um so my expectations were they were relatively high based on just how odd the trailers were. After the first two or three episodes, I was just hooked. And I I, 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 I want to use this show and The Mandalorian, and I want to thank Disney for making weekly television an important thing again. I Binging is fun. There is nothing like the anticipation and the build-up and the waiting and watching of weekly television. Game of Thrones did it perfectly, as has done television since the 50s and just because one red netflix boy came along and started dropping 13 (laughs) episodes in one go does not mean we should change the entire industry to fit one demographic um that aside well done um i i feel like the show ended not great but we we can get more we can get more specifically into that later. But as an overview, I think this is I I, I think even with the, the even with the pretty weak ending, I think the show is fantastic and easily one of my top five things in the MCU. Not even it, it's just straight in there. I, I, I agree. Uh, Sam? I, I'll just say very yeah very very quickly. I think like it has its highs, it has its lows. The ending is. Just okay, in my opinion. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either. I think it just, I think inevitably, after the week to week buildup, the ending wasn't going to satisfy completely, if that makes any sense. I think that the mystery. It is, it is, it is very, yeah, it is very much on the creators. They deliberately misled people. And I'm not talking like, I expected one thing and they gave me another and now I'm mad. Like, no, 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 no. They made calculates two things. And I did not expect the X-Men to show up. I'm one (laughs) of those people. But you can't say things like, oh, I'm going to go talk to someone in the Air Force. I know a guy. You can't say that in a show like this and then it be someone that we've never met before. And someone of no no consequence. That kind of doesn't lie. 
Yeah, there's definitely some things where it's like, okay, if this really wasn't meant to be anything, or in the case of Pietro, it was just a casting gag, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm definitely questioning it. But I will, but like, nonetheless, in spite of that, I will say, WandaVision is excellent. The way it is a love letter to, the earlier episodes are a love letter to sitcoms, like the Dick Van Dyke show. You know, and uh, Full House, I think, just well done. There's some genuinely funny moments. The way this show understands and explores camera angles and what was possible in what decade is incredible. I loved it. The attention to detail there has been fantastic. And honestly, I appreciate... As much as the ending fails in other respects, I think one thing I appreciate is just this is a show about grief. That's it. This is a show literally dedicated to, hey, Wanda is not okay. She's not all right psychologically, and she is suffering in the grief and the turmoil and the emotions of everything she has lost and what she will do to try and keep the artificial new thing that she has created to keep her self like mentally shielded from it i i I just enjoyed that so much i want i'm sure this is almost risking a tangent i'm sure i'm going to get to a point where i want the next big mcu film you know and i want the big climactic lead up like oh what's the big crossover we're building to i'm sure i'll get there eventually thing is i went through infinity war i went through endgame i've had that moment for a while now i'm gonna be good let the mcu be weird even if everything didn't work, I want more stuff like WandaVision. Full stop. And we're getting it. We're getting it because we, we've got Falcon now. But, but like, oh, very, very near on the horizon, we've got Loki. And that show looks bonkers. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, for me, I thought that... A similar thing. WandaVision started off with a lot of promise, and I really enjoyed the first two-thirds of it um towards the end it just kind of felt like cop-out i guess like they 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 teased like like james was saying they teased a lot of stuff and gave nothing and like it's sometimes it was like just to mislead people like the, the situation with getting um evan peters to play pietro in this universe when he's he's known for being the the x-men or rather the in this case, the Fox universe Quicksilver, and like talking about recasting him, and th- I thought that was okay as a funny joke, but I was expecting something joke. else. It's such a good joke. Yeah, I was expecting something else to kind of make up for it, like uh, like you mentioned before, specifically said like, oh, I know like this uh, space engineer or the aerospace engineer, and it's like, okay, well, there's a bunch of people that could possibly be, and it's nobody, it's just some some person. Or like, not even, like they don't even show you the person; they just show you someone else, and it just—it just felt like it was an opportunity they intentionally chose not to take. And I understand maybe not to like outshine somebody else, but it needed something to, to keep people going. And like, okay, um, we'll we'll go into the the twist a little bit. So the villain of this show is Agatha Harkness, which I think was a good call, at least was, in terms of it was of, Agatha all along. <laughs> but but also it wasn't. Yeah, that one I was kind of frustrated with specifically because it was they definitely teased so much more because Agatha was never really like intended, at least in the comics, as a solo villain. It was more just kind of like an antagonist. But it wasn't. She wasn't. I wouldn't call her a villain per se. But this one, they they just kind of make her a villain and like give no real hints or clues like who she's serving or anything like that at all. And I was just kind of like, well, okay. Yes, but it, Ivan, don't you understand? She's an MCU villain. She she, she 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 she's a Phase One MCU villain. She has to be the opposite of the hero. Yeah. And also, on that point, <laughs> we have another Phase 1 MCU villain, the opposite of Vision. Which is just Vision. The ship of Theseus conversation between the two was good, though. I enjoyed oh, that. Yeah. There, well, some, there are some dialogue moments that if they, if they weren't in an MCU movie, they would be talked about in film school. Are you fucking kidding me? What is love if not grief persevering? 
Oh no, what, no what is grief but love for the Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, you got it backwards. <laughs> so... Oh, my, my, yeah. my, my apologies. But like, <laughs> if that was from like a 1970s art house movie by, by Scorsese or a Shakespeare line, that would be heralded as one of the great lines of fiction. And yep. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of annoyed that that conversation and that line got turned into a meme in like yep. five minutes when you and, and you ended up having Paul Bettany on a on a late night show doing very doing various jokes on it. I'm sort of the pissed off yeah. at that. <laughs> it was it was a great line. Yeah, you're right. I I totally agree with that. Like this, it just it was kind of dumped on because it is an MCU movie, which kind of stinks. But yeah. I will say, like, I I, I was yeah. particularly peeved, at least at the Agatha thing, because it was they kind of eliminated most of the nuance of the character. They just like, oh, I'm just gonna relegate you to just a nosy neighbor, and that's it. And it's like, yeah, I just wanted power because I was misunderstood. And I was like, okay, like I could have I could have dealt with you being the big bad of this show if you were getting a little more nuanced than that, but. Like I, I, I was one of the people who wanted Mephisto to be a part of it because Mephisto. Oh boy! <laughs> In the comics, he's done a lot of shit. Like he really, he's he's all over the place. <laughs> um, but he, he's treated more like a timeline correction kind of thing. Like uh, what would so. Peter and Mary Jane got married in the comics, and Marvel has this thing about not rebooting their universe as much as long as possible. Um. And so people did not like that Peter was married, specifically because there was no chase anymore, and they they felt like he was always supposed to be. Um, the dynamic had changed; it wasn't interesting anymore. So then they get Mephisto to randomly show up, and he's like, "Peter, I can bring Aunt May back to life for you because she gets killed. I can bring her back to life, but it's gonna cost you your marriage. Nothing's yeah. changed other than they just weren't married. <laughs> it's just like, oh." Like that doesn't seem like a deal the devil would make. <laughs> just it, it was an opportunity for them to introduce that and add a another player into the larger scheme of things, but they didn't, and I felt like there was a lot another missed opportunity. Like it felt the the the, the frame it a better way, and I'll, I'll start talking for a little bit. Is I felt like the beginning of the show, the first two thirds, is they were opening up all these possibilities that all of a sudden they just cut and ended really quick. It's just like yeah, the, really last, fast. the last two episodes, and also I screw you, screw you, Marvel and Kevin Feige for explicitly telling us the last two episodes will be an hour long, and they weren't. They weren't even a network hour. You can't just tell us that, and then it's not the case. That's not cool. Um, yeah, I would have preferred it if there was less explaining of things. Because there was a lot of explaining of things by the end, and everything got wrapped up well. Considering that this, that this story does not end here, it, it ends and goes on in the next Doctor Strange movie, I would have liked a, a more vague ending, which is a weird thing to want. But I think it would have done better. But we can't review the show that we wanted to watch. That's not fair. Um, yeah, right. I think that this this show, it's like we are we're, we're nitpicking right now. But, but because we like it, if if we really didn't like it, we just wouldn't talk about it. Exactly. There, there are exactly. Mom, there are moments there are moments of the show which are like outstandingly brilliant. Like the adverts to ha to, to to have to have those adverts in there. All of them are fantastic. The moment in the first show for me that get that gets me every time that really cemented how I was really excited for this was the dinner scene where they've done all of the sitcom things and they're sitting down and without really much fanfare, the camera angles change. Yep. They've been they've been static for the whole thing and then they just change and zoom in, but the color grading is the same. And then you just have and then it's just a sequence of a horror movie. You have the weird laughter over it. You have someone dying, and then Vision uses his powers, and then everything goes back to normal. And I was just thinking, if there is a moment like that in every episode, this is going to be one of the greatest shows of all time. And I'm not, I'm not saying they dropped the ball, but I feel like they threw the ball 
and showing us this is where it's going to end. And then right at the end, it just massively went a different direction. It felt like the ending of Firewatch, you know? Mm. Yep, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that, where it's like, wow, all these possibilities, and oh, never mind, it was something simple. Yeah. And how are we, we going to do the amazing final battle with the person who messes with people's minds? They're going to throw CGI blobs at each other. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say, one thing I will say is I think obviously because at the end of the show, Wanda has the dark hold, right? She's she's alone, she's isolated. There's no longer any mental stability for her, and she's reading and learning through the dark hold. I do think re Mephisto, they're setting up some big stuff for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh yeah, I, I think that's where I we're going to see they, that they kind keep, of thing. They keep back. saying. They keep saying that Doctor Strange is a horror movie, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really hesitant, because th- those are big words. Sure. A PG-13 horror movie, I was like, uh... Yeah. If it can't be scary, at least be weird. So, uh, just kind of recap where things are. So you talked about White Vision, who shows up, so the, the one of the subplots that happens in this particular show is the military, specifically S.W.O.R.D., is very interested in trying to recreate Vision and to be directly under their control instead of it being an autonomous robot. Uh, so with him, so they basically set him up like so. The White Vision does exist in the comics, and he's somehow more powerful than Vision, but it's it's more um, he doesn't think as dynamically as Vision does. So Vision's able to normally kind of outmaneuver him normally. But White Vision, in this case, they, they have that they have the ship of Theseus thing, like you mentioned, um, where he kind of downloads his memories into White Vision before he is erased. So as far as I'm concerned, White Vision is Vision now. Because uh, they gave mm-hmm. him all the memories, so it was kind of like a way to get him back in the MCU, but be a little different. Um, so right. it just, it's kind of eliminating the weight aspect of his sacrifice in Infinity War. But that's how comics are. No one ever stays dead for long. So, <laughs> and also at the same time, it, at the same time, it's actually a clever way of keeping Paul Bettany around in it. Because while it is Vision, like I do agree with you. Let me be very clear about this. That is now Vision. He has those memories. He, it's clearly not going to be the same. He's going yeah. to be grappling with how he isn't the same how he de- literally died and he will remember dying he no longer has the mind stone but you know he has the chaos magic so he's gonna his powers and abilities are gonna be a little bit different now and i i do think there's some interesting ways you can grapple with that it is what i'm saying that don't invalidate the weight of his sacrifice in infinity war or him disappearing you know from wanda's world in, in wandavision and yeah. on the topic of paul bethany he is outstanding in this show. Oh, excellent. Moment to moment, the most consistent and the best thing in the show for me is Paul Bettany. I I knew he was, like, charismatic and, like, conversationally funny. He is hysterical. If he had done, like, a career as a, com- as a comic actor, he'd be a sensation. Mm-hmm. Paul Bettany is, is so good in the show. The, the, across, across the board, actually, the, the, there's no. The, the, I mean, the MCU doesn't have bad acting in it. You know what yeah. I mean. But across the board, Darcy Jennings never been more likable than in this. Darcy yeah. Lewis, I should say. Cat Cat Dennings, Cat Dennings, the actress. Um, Randall Park, <laughs> Jimmy Woo, Jimmy, goddamn Woo. Yep. What what a character! What a character they've got on their hands. There are not many civilians that are as charismatic in the MCU as Jimmy Woo, and now they've and now they've got him to play with for a bunch of stuff. Like if, if they brought him on to do like the they talk about doing like an MCU X Files kind of thing, if they brought him on and like he, he teams up with Cat Dennings, that would be the f- about this. You want what to bring up? About, uh, we, have, we haven't talked we haven't talked much about Sword uh, and their sort of rise out of nowhere to be like the new big authority figure. I mean, is that do you think that's going to stick? Um, so Sword in the comics was more about space. Yeah, yeah. Sword in the comics was way more about space and, like, 
well, Shield was more about threats on Earth, and Soar was about extraterrestrial threats, um, and focusing more on that. And so they they kind of changed it to the sentient weapons things. So I don't really know what they're gonna do with that. Um, I I assume they'll be around like in some capacity, but I think they're kind of like aim in um Iron Man three. They're just kind of thrown away now. Like I just I just get that feeling out of it. Like they're around, but um, they're very man. much in passing. Yeah, and on the topic of Sword and uh, Monica Rambo, who was a lovely character in the show, um, it's pr- they're setting up Secret Wars, right? That 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 looks like the big thing that's that's coming. I'm inclined Maybe. to agree. I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. It could be Secret Wars because they're talking about the scrolls in particular, and when the scrolls get yeah. involved, it's normally They've something like three, that. They've done three post-credit stings directly involving Nick Fury, the scrolls, and in space. This is like there's two in Spider-Man, and now this one. That is yeah. not a coincidence. It can't be. They may be trying to do, like, the Man on the Wall arc, but that's if they're trying to get rid of Nick Fury, personally. Um, so, okay. Because they already introduced S.W.O.R.D. Uh, this is just a random little thing. I, I, just, I get that kind of feeling that Samuel Jackson kind of wants out, because he doesn't show up very much anymore. But, so, here's the thing. I mean, you say that, and he was, like, he was all over the place in Homecoming. In, in, yeah. In uh, Far From Home. Yeah. But it's more after that. Like I just don't get the feeling he's going to be around very long. And so the the one thing they've never talked about is life model decoys. At least in terms of the MCU itself, they've I think they've mentioned it on Agents of Shield, but not very much. So the concept of Man on the Wall is that like once a once a generation, they pick one person to single handedly manipulate the universe and try to protect Earth. And Nick Fury was that choice. And so every single version of Nick Fury you've ever seen was never the real one and simply just some guy. It's a life model decoy of him. But And I get that feeling that they may be trying to do something like that. And they go, Secret Wars may be the kind of like venue for it. But I, I feel I just get this feeling specifically where Fury's kind of taken this weirder position in the MCU since then where he's now not so much more interested in Earth, but it's more extraterrestrial threats than usual. Um, because it, well, again, they, they could change mm. the MCU at their will, but I just, I just have a sneaking suspicion they might be trying to do Man on the Wall um, and make, actually, Nick Fury kind of the new villain. Because, I mean, how, how, where do you go after Thanos as a villain? Where do you well, go? Well, that's kind of... That goes back to the problem we've talked about beforehand, is that, like, in terms of scale... Infinity War and Endgame was the one-two punch of all time, right? Like, that is, that's as big as it gets scale-wise. So I personally, and this this is literally just a personal thing, I I don't know. One, that's why I want them to just do a lot of weird stuff like WandaVision, because I think it works right now, as they're figuring themselves out. Two, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not, let's do this big 10-year grand arc, but, like, let's do lots of these three- to four-year arcs. If that yeah. makes any sense, I, I think like yeah, lots not of big, yeah, smaller stuff, but none of it quite reaching the heights of Infinity or Endgame, yeah. but at a more frequent rate. I think that's what I don't. I would I would love to believe that they're going to do that, but you know, the mouse wants that cash, man. Yeah, I know, I know, but also times are changing. Theaters may be coming back, but they're not going to be what they were, and you True. have to keep that in mind as well here. I mean, are we certain about that? The last time we had a major pandemic like this, we created lots of ways to squish our bodies close to each other. Does nobody else remember the 20s? Or am I the only immortal one here? Mm, always you. <laughs> I mean... Uh... Like, the theatres, as we know it, were created in that decade. They were, but also, dude, it's just home... I don't know, home entertainment has changed things. That's where I'm sitting at, right? Yeah. It's probably it, it, a conversation I, we should have another time in terms of like yeah. the fallout of everything that has happened here. But I don't believe we can quite go back to the way things work. Like, 
Disney just greenlit how many Star Wars shows, not movies, shows specifically for Disney Plus and buffing yeah, that up. But that's, I would chalk that up mostly to the fact that Star Wars films have not ha- have been underperforming, Fair. but Star Wars TV shows have been overperforming, whereas Marvel are just overperforming everywhere. Yeah. True, but also, what are the next Marvel films up? Black Widow and Eternals? Yeah. Well, wait, I can't, I can't, I legally cannot say anything about Eternals. Maybe. I literally can't say anything about Eternals because that's what happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it was like, who? I mean, Eternals. Fair. I mean, the thing about Eternals for me that, that, that is like the, the most interesting thing is that it's probably going to have an Oscar winning director behind it. I mean, the film's, I assume, done, right? Yeah, it's got to be done. Because it, yeah. it was, yeah. But like the the, 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 the Mar- Mar- Marvel and Disney get to say from the Oscar-winning director of blah blah blah. The, the, here comes the Eternals. Like that will sell it to people who probably don't watch Marvel. Don't watch a lot of Marvel stuff. You know, Eternals might be a, a way to get people in. It's it is a weird. It is a bit of a weird project. Um, yeah. I think the thing. I think having Eternals. And a Spider-Man film. And also, let's not forget that Avatar 2 is on the horizon. It is coming out. Those three things, within like a three-month period of each other at the end of this year, that that will revitalize the movie industry. And I'm by 2022, everything will be back to normal in movies. I'm serious. Bookmark. All right, this is one to bookmark, y'all. This is one to bookmark. Yeah. We'll see. I, I hope I think, you're right, of, James. Of, of, all, of, all, of all entertainment medium, it's the one that hasn't changed in the longest amount of time. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. As, as a side topic, because we, we do got to wrap up here, and we kind of touched on this. It's not related to WandaVision or anything else like that, but movies are kind of in a weird spot right now. Um, they're starting to open up and starting to go back to back to work. Um, I know like some some movies are actually open now. Like you go see like Ray and the Last Dragon, and it'd be relatively safe at least here in the states. Um, so the question I have to ask is: Right now, the movie industry is kind of in shambles, um, at least in terms of theaters. Um, James and Sam and the rest and myself later. Um, what do you think needs to happen to kind of get the, the the theater industry back on its feet? Completely. I know, James, you kind of hearkened on it a little bit. Remember what you think, like, terms needs to come out to get it back on, but is there anything else you think needs to happen? Um, no, because I think people have, I think, I think people have realized that movies, movies in a cinema hit really different. And, you know, I, I know that to be the case because I watch movies all the goddamn time. And I know the difference between sitting down and watching a three-hour movie in the cinema is a vastly different experience than watching it at home because you can't go anywhere. You can't pause it. You sort of have to pay attention. And, it, and, and a movie can sink or swim in the cinema. And if it sinks, it sinks. But if, it's, if it swims, then it soars. And going forward i think we'll see a lot more i think i think we'll see a return of 3d for a little bit i think we'll see a, i think we'll see some gimmicks to try and get people in to try and bump up movie prices uh we're going to need one big experience movie we're going to need an avatar we're going to need something that's going to not like set the world on fire in terms of box office like avatar did we're never going to see something like that again um I don't think it's going to be something like 4D. I think I'm not sure. I think the content is there. Uh, the smaller movie houses haven't gone away in the way that people thought they might have. They are still there. They're ready. I think we might see the gap between. I think we might see the mid-range movie disappear for a while from cinemas i think we're, we're gonna have massive blockbusters and tiny indies and very little in between and all of those middle stuff will go to streaming where they have found a new home in in, in lockdown i think that's the big takeaway for me is that stuff like the the one i always go to is something like enemy of the state the will smith movie 
like a movie like that nowadays would cost four times the budget it did it would have it would be an hour longer it would have quippy jokes it would be a movie tried to it wouldn't just be we've got 40 million dollars we're going to make a movie and it's going to it's going to be fine there's no room for fine in cinema nowadays it either has to be amazing or terrible and that's why you go big budget or you go tiny indie that's what i think we're going to see at least for a few years until things even out again all right Sam, what do you think? What do you think the movie industry needs to do, at least to, to revitalize the theater setup? I'm not sure it can. I'm not as optimistic as James. I hope James is right. To be clear, I want I don't want to be right here. I'm just not sure it will revitalize and there's anything you can do. I would say a focus on a more premier experience. More comfortable seats. Offer food. Offer more drink options. That sort of thing. That kind of thing. You know, like, or even dining tables, like some premium theaters have, like, that sort of thing would get me in there more and more. I would like to say, almost once that, that is becoming the norm in the UK. That's awesome. That's fantastic. It's definitely not the norm over here. Yeah. There, there <laughs> are, there are definitely here, more seriously. options. Yes. There's definitely more options. Like, uh, I know here, at least in terms of theaters and stuff, um, most of the time it breaks down to, like you still have some like you know auditorium seats or something like that like on occasion um but for the most part it's like um like you can get like a recliner or you can do like a movie tavern kind of experience and that's fun but um that's kind of what the breakdown is here at least um i know for me i i think it's something similar to what sam said you have to focus on it being more of a premiere experience um, I, I know that like some places they have, um, like uh, there's like a theater around here called red cinemas that, um, I, it's like my favorite theater because they have uh, a lot of options, at least in terms of everything. Uh, so what they'll do is they'll say, okay, well, we're going to have, um, our own, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, we have like a smaller theater setting. So yeah, it's only 50 seats, but it doesn't take up nearly as much room and they could fit like. I think it's about ten, like about ten of those smaller private rooms into one larger space, um, and it it works. I think it works really well, personally. Uh, it's it seems more, um, you can show more movies in it, but you also have a more intimate setting. Because um, for me, that's always my the why my one big complaint about the theater is that there's just a ton of people, and they don't they don't really care who's next to them. <laughs> And just it's kind of rude, but I think I think that could be a possible model, but that would require a lot of restructuring, and not every theater would be able to do that. Personally, um, I think people enjoy like their own more private experience. But anyway, that's my little shtick. Uh, any closing thoughts? Hello. Uh, I think we uh, a lot. Yes, come on. What was that, James? Uh, no, I was saying I think I think we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, Sam, uh, Godzilla vs Kong, yeah. Again, like that at home, really? Yeah, that's I not going to be nearly. I haven't as cool. got a vaccine yet, man. So, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna watch it at home. I'll watch it on my computer with a friend, uh, like a friends on Discord or whatever, because I haven't been vaccinated yet. So, yeah. It's. It, I mean, I would rather be in the theater, but if I can at least hang out and have some fun while I'm watching it in safety, then that's what I'll do. Yeah. Oh, right, I'm going to watch it home. I do have a closing thought. Can, yeah. I do have a closing thought, and it has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about this evening. But oh, I yes. wanted to just quickly just shout out something uh, that's on Netflix at the moment. Now, I am a huge fan of Formula One, and I've seen this on the show before. Uh, I mentioned that F1 2020 was my favorite game of last year in terms of like how much fun I had playing it and over a long period of time. Um, last Friday, so four days ago, three days ago even, uh, Netflix released the third series of Formula One Drive to Survive, which is a 10-episode docuseries following uh, a lot of the teams and a lot of the drivers and the stories that F1 goes through every year. Yeah. I, I, I don't hear him. Do you hear him? I think we lost him. 
No, no, I, I think we lost him there. James, we can't hear you anymore. Your your light is still green, so we know you're talking, but I think something happened on the audio side. Won't say anything. Maybe he'll think we know about Formula One. Yeah, I don't hear him at all. I sent a message on Discord. Nope. Uh, any closing thoughts from you, Sam, while we wait? Just that, uh, just that I really wish I could hear what James is saying. <laughs> but I think we, I think we had a good, good discussion today. It's rare we get to go this hard into TV and film, like just on a dedicated episode. So I was, I was happy to do that for sure. Yep. All right. Um, I just sent him a message to see if he can hear us or not. Okay. Uh, so what we'll do next week is we'll find out what James was talking about. At least the Formula One thing, something on Netflix. Uh, we'll find out what he was talking about, and we'll do that the first thing for his film movie corner and talk about that. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Multiverse Show, season uh, five, episode nine. And Sam, where can good people find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Talbert. That's T-O-L-B-E-R-T. And you can find everything I'm writing over on Windows Central. All right. You guys can find uh, James Wilson at James underscore S. Wilson on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, he's the good people and the bad people. Um, I talked to him about wrestling and Radiohead. Um, you guys can find me at Multiverse Show on Twitter and Anchorman V2 on Xbox and pretty much everything else. Uh, thank you guys for